0: Charles Louis, Mortgage Advisors, 0161 959
1: 0166.
0: Hello welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. I'm Ian Cheeseman and really appreciate your company, all the retweets, the shares, lovely comments that you make. Really, really appreciate it. And obviously, if you've not already discovered the YouTube channel, which is also called Forever Blue in my name, then go and have a look at it. I do a matchday vlog. Uh, for every single (coughs) game and one or two extra things as well. So for example um, last week my guest on the podcast was Paul Simpson and he was fantastic. So if you want to listen to what he had to say and there have been guests on all the previous podcasts as well check them all out. We usually put a little bit of video up on the YouTube channel as well and we couldn't do it without the support of CharlesLouis.co.uk, Chartered Mortgage Advisors and also buyers and sellers of properties so if you've got anything that you want to buy or sell commercial or private I I suggest that you check them out because uh, they are professionals they know what they're talking about and even if it's just advice that you want they will give you the advice you heard the telephone number in the intro you can check them out on their website CharlesLewis.co.uk, and uh, you can make contact with them and they're very friendly bunch as well and we we uh certainly I thank them for their support. Uh, Now my guests this week on the podcast are former Manchester City manager Brian Horton uh, who I think created one of the most entertaining City teams of certainly my lifetime, Um, a team that included people like Peter Begree and Nicky Summerby and Uh, Paul Rosler, fantastic team uh, which Brian engineered and actually thought it was a little bit hard done to not to carry on managing City for longer and I've never I don't think I've ever met a City fan who doesn't speak very highly of Brian and doesn't think very highly of his teams as well so uh, it's an honour to have you with us Brian I know you've got a book out at the moment, we'll mention that a little bit later on as well, I know I've done an interview with you in the past about the book but we'll we'll ask you about that as well. Uh, We've also got Adam who uh, formerly was on City Matters committee is uh, taken a step back from that now, but is still a fan, um, and is a very elo- eloquent speaker on all things city as well. And we've got Paul, prestige car repairs, my mate who travels to where European games with me, um, who's represents the ordinary man,
2: and that isn't meant <laughs> as an
0: insult, Paul. But that's that's your that's your, you're the Tom Hanks of the podcast, aren't you? Every man. Uh,
2: sounds. I'll take that. I'll take that. I prefer Jason Stadium, but Tom Hanks will be.
0: <laughs> so, um, let, let's let's get straight into things. City, of course, had the big victory against Chelsea. I know you were at the game, Brian. Um, I saw you tweeting out that you'd been at the game and had spotted you and you got involved in the vlog as well, of course, uh, but I didn't see you. Um, so, just tell us what your thoughts were on that game. I mean, it was a, an exciting game to look forward to. Did it disappoint? Were, were City as good as you wanted them to be in that game?
1: Uh, they were as good as uh, I wanted to be, as long as they went, as long as they won the game yesterday. You know, after the after the disappointment of the Champions League final, you know, I think I think they were on a revenge mission anyway. And uh, I thought they were, I thought they were superb. They had a couple of chances. which they're going to do? They got some good players, and they're a good team. Uh, but I thought, I thought City were excellent.
0: What is it that makes them so special? I mean, I know it seems like a an obvious question, and maybe even an easy answer, but you're a a former manager. I mean, blimey, a thousand matches in professional football. Has nobody got more experience of that job than you? What, what makes Pep, what makes City so special?
1: Well, the goal, the goal was special for a start-off, wasn't it? I mean, De Bruyne, for me, is one of the best midfield players uh, in, in the world, not just in England at the moment, in the, in the whole world. And uh, it was just a magnificent goal. It's took him a while to get back into, you know, his, his full... His full fitness after after that injury in the Champions League final, which was a shocking challenge, and it, in my opinion, should have been a red card. Um, and it's took him a little while, but it's just a class act. It's, the goals he makes, the, the, the quality the, the guy's got is just absolutely incredible. And I just love watching him play. We talked a little bit off air, didn't we, about uh, the playing without this the, the so called number nine and, and the rotation and the and the the way they pass the ball and the movement and everything. It's just a, its just magnificent to watch. And you've got to credit Pep for, for what he's done because he, he produced that kind of football at Barcelona and now he's produced this kind of football that all the Man City fans are loving.
0: When you were a manager, did you have to adapt? You know, a, a thousand matches, you, you know, you've know, you been involved in football for such a long time. Was the start of that time, your time as a, as a boss, different from the end? Had football tactically changed or is it still essentially the same game as it always has been?
1: Well, it, it's, it got my, my recollection of changing formations and stuff is it was my own career when I went from Brighton and, and, and playing 4-4-2 all the time at Port Vale and then at Brighton. And we were successful at Brighton. and had some good players and took the club from the third division to the top division. But then when I went to Luton Town and, and played for Davey Plead, he changed my role completely. He, he said, I just want you to sit in front of the back four. We're going to play 4 three, 3 I hadn't anybody played this system before. And uh, the first season, we lost four games in the whole season. We won the, the, the equivalent to the championship by miles. And I took that system, luckily enough, because I was player manager, that I could take that system and, and I was still playing. And I played that position for Hull when we got promotion in the first year at Hull as well. So that was a complete change of, of tactics and obviously... You know, it's different to what a lot of clubs have ever done before. Now, most teams now play with that old midfield player. And I thought Rodri, and I, I watched that position, but I think Fernandino has been absolutely incredible for Man City. And, and Rodri now has taken, taken it upon on himself to to step up, in my opinion, and he's he's looking a, a real class act at the moment. Um, so it's changed dramatically, hasn't it? But what, what Pep's done for the, the whole of the thing, you know, with getting the ball back, to the press, and how and, and, you know, they, they showed it last night on the TV, what they do when they lose the ball. And uh, it's, it's just incredible that he makes, well, he does make them, he makes the, be- the players buy into his tactics.
0: <clears throat> Obviously, percentage of football is something that I still see at non-league level, even at non-league level, to be fair, because I watch teams, particularly in the side area at the moment, they do seem to have, changed a little and I started playing the ball out from the back a lot more. But on the whole, you still see balls played down the channel, all that sort of stuff. That's completely gone from Pep's team, isn't it? They, I, I remember writing a newspaper column a couple of weeks ago about Kazoo Dana. I don't know if you remember him, the Polish international who came to City a um, long, long time ago. And he didn't believe Dana, when you watched him, when he played the game, percentage football every single pass every single shot every single thought in his footballing brain was not to waste a ball not to waste a shot and it feels like we've now got a team at City where it's not just 10 but 11 players who play like Dana. is that did you see that Brian
1: well, yeah, and, and everybody changes, don't they? Because every different manager's got his own way of playing football. And, and, and there's no arming in, in if, if the long ball's on. I mean, look at, look at the goalkeeper, City's goalkeeper. He can knock a long ball 60 yards, 70 yards. And when it comes off, it's, it's fantastic, isn't it? And it looks great when he does it, when he pings those balls out. So there's no right or wrong in football. And you can only basically do generally on, on what your players can, can do. You have just been talking about it there about you know players trying to play out from the back when um, you know when they can't do it you know because you've got to be good enough to be able to do it if you can't have defenders or fullbacks to handle the ball then you can't do it can you so you'd be a long ball team I've had many discussions about this you know but because when I went to Luton uh, we played that system four three three which was he wanted to play through midfield he wanted to play through me and it uh, I had Ricky on one side Shiloh, who were really good outstanding players. Watford were 4-4-2, had had big strikers, Ross Jenkins, uh, Riley, and they played 4-4-2 and hit the big men and and pressed you that way. So what was wrong with their system? Because they got promotion with us. Then they went to the cup final. So, like I've said before, if everybody was the same, it it probably wouldn't wouldn't be half as good to watch. But um, it, it is just so classy when you've got players that can Play that way, you know. Cancelo's got the the most uh, number of passes in the Premier League at the moment from a fullback, you know. So that that's an incredible. Stat. I think City have got about four or five in that uh, in that, in those stats of the Ice passing. So that that tells you what Pep wants to do. It doesn't almost tell you what someone else wants to do in the Premier League because if you haven't got the players, you can't do that.
0: What have you made of all this, Adam? I mean, you obviously listened to what Brian's had to say there and you've, you've studied the way that City are playing at the moment, both in stadiums and with the extra camera angles at home. Um, I mean, we could go into the subject of the striker again, um, but it's all part of the same discussion, really, about the style of play that City have. Um, it, 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 to me, just feels as if having this... I was talking to John Bell, actually, Colin's son, earlier today, and he was... He said to me, "Oh, you know, imagine what they'll be like with a striker who can get twenty or thirty goals." And I thought, "Hang on a minute, you know, the scoring goals in every game, rattling him up—is this not the way to play without a striker, where nobody needs to to, to think about the defending?" Chelsea couldn't handle it, could they? Again,
3: Well, more and more, I'm starting to think that it's it, it's less about the personnel and it's more about the system and the and the and the manager really, and also the fact that the personnel we've got. They're all quality, you know. You get people are not making the bench on a on a weekend now. Who are still who would walk into most of the teams in the league? And I remember, you know, forever and a day up until, up until the last year or so. As soon as that team comes out at two o'clock, you know, your phone, everyone's moaning about the, who's been picked or who's not been picked or who should be playing or who should not be playing. And I've noticed between me and my mates that that's just that conversation has just died now because it doesn't actually matter who's playing. You know we've got we've got 17, 18 players who coming out of the team, and we all might have our favourites, or we might have players that we don't think are as good as the rest. But honestly, when I see a team selection now, I don't start to say, "Oh, he should be playing at right back, or he should be playing at holding midfielder." It just doesn't matter to me because you know that that Pep's got it right basically, and that whoever comes in will do the job they're there to do.
0: I know there's a complication (laughs) of forward at the moment, but when Diaz wasn't named yesterday, and I was talking to fans outside the ground, they're all going. Yeah, it's not playing. Now, if he hadn't been involved at all, nobody would have batted an eyelid, but they were still saying, why is he on the bench then? Uh, but yet there was real no concern. I mean, I don't even think City have to do that much defending the way that, that this team plays. It's not, It's not built to defend, is it? Well, John Stones nearly proved that in the first five minutes, didn't he?
3: But then after that, I thought, yeah, they were fine. And yet, yeah, it didn't matter. It didn't matter who was playing a centre half because yeah, they weren't really tested. I think Chelsea had what two realistic chances, maybe three. Um, so yeah, it doesn't matter.
0: And yeah, of Because Chelsea have got a striker in Lukaku. You know, mm. so you sort of think, is that the format to go to? I mean, I saw Liam Delap yesterday. I went to watch the under twenty threes in the evening. Um, against United, which, which they won 3-1. And a lot of people have wondered about Liam Delap. Could he be the alternate striker sort of thing? And obviously he's had an injury, he's just coming back from it now. But you look at the way Lukaku's influence was snuffed out by City and you think it might work against certain types of teams, but against the top-level teams, surely the way City play is far more threatening to the opponents than the way Chelsea play, even though they're European champions.
3: It gives us that unpredictability, I guess. I mean, you see that if, if you see that front three, you know, if you're seeing Grealish and Foden, you don't know which one of them is going to play left or which is going to play middle, and they can swap them around. So by not having a striker, I guess it gives us that advantage that they can't they can't prepare as easily against us.
0: Paul, what do you say on all this?
2: Yeah, I mean it comes to something when we, we were chatting on the terraces yesterday where the the there's no weak links in the seat, in the side. It um, don't matter who you have on the bench. Um, you could you could bring you could bring on one of the women's players, and she would fit into the formation because they know the go, The club is playing the pet way. Um, it comes to something when the the weak link, if uh, if if you can call it that, which I don't like to call it that, but where the weak link yesterday was Jack Grealish for me, um, where everything that came through Jack. He had a decent game, but if you if you analyse it, he came through. he you know he slowed the game down at some point. So when you've got a, a, the likes of Jack Grealish coming into the side, and you can pick him out as being the weak link, well, that says it all, doesn't it? Um, modern football, everybody, everybody, you know, we have this four-four-two, these formations and stuff. I don't think years ago that they were that that important formations. Everybody looks at a formation. And Pep's kind of kind of gone along with that because we don't really have a formation as such. Yeah, we have a starting lineup and we have some defenders and some attackers and some midfield. There's no such formation really because everybody just drops into that role if 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 they need to. You know, you, you see times where Bernardo's back in you know back in a central defending position. You know, defending stuff. Uh, Mares gets back and and is defending there. Likewise, I um, think the other week we. Last-minute last goal we scored. Um, it was two defenders in the box, two central defenders in the box. So City's completely transformed the way I think football is at the moment. It's, it's moved into a different era. Um, you watch the, uh, the midweek trying desperately to play like City, playing it out from the back, and they just came unstuck every time. You know, we make it look so easy now. People think it's easy. You drop into our team... Um, you know, to play like the city play, you've got to have a certain skill. Um, I know you were just saying there about the um, about the players not being as important as the system, but you've got the system, but you got all players capable of playing in that system. And if you haven't got them players, they simply won't play for city. And Pet's proven that by some of the players he's got rid of purely because they can't do
0: what he wants them to do. Very true. I mean, we'll come back to Jack Grealish in a moment. But What, what, what were people saying to you then, Paul, around you and in the, in the terraces? Were, were they quite critical of, of Grealish?
2: Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, again, we're all sort of saying, you know, we don't want to have a go at him or anything. We don't want to pick him out. But, you know, when you're looking at the team, the, I don't like saying a weak link, but you, when you've got a team full of players like we've got, it's not a matter of who plays well because everybody pretty much plays well every week so the people who don't play as well kind of stand out it's a kind of reverse what we used to watch um and there was you know there was a there was a lot of people sort of saying to us that you know he's slowing the game down and when it comes to him he's he stands out as not as, as slowing everything up slowing the attacks down he does some great stuff but he's still not on the same wavelength as the other players in his team now I'm pretty sure that I'll come next season because you look at a lot of the players Come to see it takes them, takes him a good season to get into it. Um, I don't think I can't think of any Spring to Mind he's literally at the ground running. Um, they've all took a little bit of time to get in. And Grealish has come from top dog to basically I do not say bottom dog, but he's he's not the first choice in that position, and he's gonna to have to um you know up his game um to to, to get in there on a regular basis.
0: It's interesting because I did an interview with Matt Letitier this week, uh, which you'll see on the YouTube channel uh, later in, in, in midweek because there's no game now till Saturday with Southampton. So I'll put the video up there. But uh, Matt Letitier as you know as well as I know, Brian, is it was a great individual. You know, scored great goals and was a a player you'd almost pay the attendant. You know, the admission fee to watch on your own. He was a lovely player to watch. Uh, played for Southampton, of course. Ironically, City plays Southampton next week. Um, And he, in the conversation I had, without me even asking, brought up Grealish and said that he felt that Grealish was in a bit of a dilemma, that not just the obvious thing of being the big fish in the little pond, shall we say, that at Villa. I know Villa are not a little pond, but, you know, he was the star there and he isn't the star at City anymore, but that he felt that Grealish has a choice to make between... Just being part of a team and almost becoming a little anonymous within that, you know, within that format. I know, again, we pick out a player like De Bruyne and say he's a world-class player. But generally, we talk about the collective rather than the individual. So what he was saying was that Grealish has a choice to make. Either he buys into that and accepts that he's come to City to be part of a great team to win medals, or he has to move on. He was as blunt as that. You know, if he wants to go back to being what he was before, which is a bit of a showman and, a, and the star of the show, he has to move on. That's quite a strong opinion, Brian. I mean, you saw Greenlish yesterday. What do you think of him?
1: I, I think he's a great player. I think I think he'll come good. Um, I loved him at Villa. I love what he did. Um, he's obviously come to a, a massive club where he's got to earn his stripes with the players, with the management, with the, with the, with the supporters. He keeps it simple at the moment. He doesn't probably take as many players on as he did at Villa, because maybe Pep wants him to do that. If he scores yesterday, which he did, he had a great, which he could have done, had a great chance, and he he needs that. He needs that spark. But I've no I've no qualms about Grealish. I think he'll fit. Not long ago, Morris wasn't playing very well, and I'm listening to City fans and that it's time for him to go. Sterling wasn't playing that well not long ago. Couldn't score. All of a sudden, he's been, well, just one player of the month. These boys are top players. And they they will have spells where things don't go for them. Things, it, because it doesn't happen all the time. As I say, De Bruyne, a couple of games ago, he, could, he couldn't do anything right. Everything he tried, it, it didn't come off for him. But people accept that. You know, you, you're in a massive club that you, actually, you know, the expectations... Are just unbelievable, and I think Grealish will buy into it. He he will have to he'll have to up his game without a doubt, and he probably knows that. And it, that might be part of the problem that he's putting a lot of pressure on himself. But I've no doubt that he will come good.
0: When you were a manager, and it doesn't have to even be the bit when you were at City, have you had to deal at any point with a player that's come into your club, and you've had to completely sort of change the way that they think about? playing football to get the best out of them.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, I chose to go with, with wingers when I came in. And I bought Nicky Summerby. No, I'd seen Nicky because I was at Oxford and he was a swimmer. I'd seen him come through the youth team and the reserve team. And I knew Nicky what, what, what he was going to be. And Quinn said he was one of the best across the ball that he's ever played with. That is some testament now. And then I bought Beagues in because I, know what, I knew what Pete Beagley was about. Uh, and I know Biggs ain't going to chase fullbacks or defend for you, so we almost played like a... with wingers when we had the ball, and then without the ball, Nicky, Nicky was was almost like a wing-back, and he helped, he helped Flitty and, and, and Steve Lomas out on midfield, where Biggs probably didn't want to do it because he's an out out winger. David Moss, who was a fantastic winger at Luton, Moss, was the same. That's why we played 4-3-3. He was outside left. His job wasn't to come back and help us. His job was for us to get him the ball and he'd win us the games, which he did. And that's what happens with, 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 with good size. And, and they were, so I, I ch- I chose to go with those two wingers to get crosses in. So now, so Quinny, Quinny thrived on crosses. Didn't he? Uwe Rosler thrived on crosses. Walsh, was good in the air for, for, for a smaller guy. And, and, and that was part of our game is get it wide, get crosses in, we'll get people in the box and, and do that. City don't, they do score from crosses, but they're more more uh, precise, aren't they? You're on the floor passes, and somebody will slide it in. Where you don't see City you know, cross m- great many balls inside 20 balls a game. Which some of the sides that I've played against, that is their tactic. We're going to get the ball in the opponent's box as many times as we can. City don't do that. And that's why this role about will a, a, a centre forward coming and score goals uh, at City. I think the holland would have been Lewandowski. Whether they could ever get those two, I, I, I don't know. Whether it's the money, whether it's, it's uh, their wages, whatever. So if they don't, and Pep thinks they don't need to do that and carry on playing with this rotation, if they do, nobody minds because the football is absolutely fantastic to watch. And and I, I watched the Leeds game not long ago, and they're trying to man, man-to-man De Bruyne and De Bruyne was taking him everywhere because one minute he's centre forward, next minute he's on the right wing, next minute he's on the left wing, next minute he's getting the ball off off Rodri. They, 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 they just the rotation is just it's almost impossible to stop. And that Chelsea had a major problem with it yesterday, didn't they? They they, they didn't know what Sterling was causing, causing massive problems. So it's horses for courses in a way, isn't it? It's what you've got. And at this moment, Pep has got for me the best side in in, in Europe by a mile.
0: Well, on that subject, obviously the victory against Chelsea um, has opened a huge gap up now between them and Chelsea. Liverpool's victory against Brentford means that they're back within, especially if they win the game in hand, they'll be eight points behind, the game's still to play at the Etihad, that could take it down, worst-case scenario, to five. Um, I, I certainly feel and have been saying that I think the title race is over, but... Of course, statistically, Liverpool is still really in this. Uh, I just wonder how the three of you feel about that. I mean, Paul, you were on the podcast last week, so I've probably already asked you this before, but we can tweak it with you because I think the emphasis on last week's podcast was about Chelsea and how the Chelsea game would affect maybe the, the race between City and Chelsea. So let me more pointedly say to you, Paul, are Liverpool still in the title race? Do you still feel Liverpool in this title race?
2: Unfortunately, yeah. Um, I don't think they're anywhere near the standard that we are. Um, But, you know, mathematically, they're still in it. I just can't see um, City dropping the points they need to drop and Liverpool staying, you know, consistently unbeaten until the end of the season, because that's pretty much what they're going to have to do. I can't see them getting anything at the Etihad with us. No, no i i don't think, i don't think liverpool have got the i've got the where, the where and where to, to 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 beat us you know for the title
0: there's a lot of people a lot of city fans uh, but even fans of other clubs and and even esteemed journalists i've been reading suggesting that you know, we can't prove this, and, and it's just a, a talking point, really. You know, our Liverpool manipulating the situation at the moment with a couple of players away on Africa Cup of Nations duty, a couple of injuries, a couple of COVIDs, a couple of false positives <clears throat> and all the rest of it. You know, let's get a couple of games off while our team is is damaged, you know, and then we can, we can be stronger afterwards. I mean, do you buy into that? Because I know you... You, you know, you're very active on social media, so you see these things. I'm curious to know what you think.
2: I I, I totally believe that Liverpool are just manipulating. Um, that's them in it. That's Liverpool. The you know Klopp Klopp is a big baby, isn't he? Um, you know, he'll look for it. You know, the grass is too long, the wind's too strong, the rain's too powerful. Um, how? Would, I, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but how do you get yourself? Was it was it nine? false positives or something. Apparently to get one is amazing. To get nine in the whole club. The guy's a clown, isn't he? He um he just needs to he needs to pipe down, concentrate on the football. You know, at the beginning of the season, if his team doesn't look good as ours on paper, he'd try and get the season kickoff delayed until he could bring in the players that he couldn't sign in the transfer window. That's the sort of smacked backside this man's got. And, you know, and Liverpool, they're embarrassing themselves by going ahead with what they're saying, to be honest, because everyone's laughing at them now, I think, apart from Liverpool. And some of these esteemed journalists, as they call themselves, they seem to, you know, brush it under the carpet. And, they, oh, it's, you know, oh, it's, it's a terrible time we're in with this COVID. No, City just got on with it. We, played, we play what's in front of us. We don't have no fixture pileups because of it. And
0: it's not done us so bad so far, has it? Brian, as a a part of the management union, so to speak, if you were in charge now of of a club trying to negotiate your way through COVID and squads being damaged by Africa Cup of Nations and everything, (laughs) you're not going to admit to this even if you you think it, but could you have been tempted to try to manipulate the situation to, to help your club negotiate from a better position?
1: Um, Not really, no, because I think you're going you're gonna to try and play mind games, aren't you? That, that, that's going to happen. And, and obviously Klopp is going to play. Klopp's done a fantastic job at Liverpool. But City murdered them there uh, with, with this system not long ago. And, and I agree with what you're saying there, that I can't see anybody catching them. Pep won't be having this conversation. City players won't be having this conversation. They're just going to take it game by game They've got to do unbelievable in the second half of the season besides tick to, to catch city. You know, the city gonna lose three or four games. Can't see it. So they're gonna be saying, let's not listen to any of this nonsense from other people. And if we've got to play a game, perhaps put some youngsters on the bench yesterday again. Yeah, some youngsters in the team at Swindon. Okay, it, it was Swindon, so you'd expect them, you know, with some of the French players. I mean, look at some of the French players, There's some of the younger boys that are coming through. I just heard you say that City beat United 3-1 yesterday, did they? Yeah.
0: So you just broke up a little bit then. We're recording, of course, on Zoom. Yeah, they won 3-1 against United. Uh, McAtee scored a penalty. And there's a, little, a, a young lad called Cakey, who they've got great yeah. uh, hopes for, who came on as a late substitute down at Swindon. Uh, he scored a goal as well. Um which which of course shows the great strength of, of depth of the i mean I talked to somebody from the united camp who are, who I know well just very very briefly and he said to me boy you've got some strength in this in this club haven't you you know even look at this under 23 team the stars all over the place yeah. there's definitely more quality coming through I can tell you that
1: well that's that's why for me if if people are saying they got covid with the first team players why aren't they being Forced to play some of these youngsters because that's that's what you got them for. Okay, if there's too many and and it, uh, it's a mass, uh, you know, uh, uh, case of, of COVID, then then you, you you'd you'd listen to it, wouldn't you, and try and be fair. Um, and some teams are saying it's not fair. I think Tottenham have had a go about it, haven't they? They're complaining that that, um, that the game shouldn't have been off. So until you know exactly how many injuries they've got or Covid-related or whatever, um, and Pep did it brilliantly on Sky the other day, didn't he? You know, where saying when he's saying, uh, you know, well we've got we've had it, he's had it himself, uh, they've had to self-isolate, but they don't moan or grumble, they get on with it, don't they? They they just get on with it because they've got they've got so many good players, and he's quite rightly saying, you look at the bench, look at some of the players that that, that aren't in the team. Yes, there's only Maori's away on this on, the, on this cup of the africa's cup um, the 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 strength and depth of city is incredible and and the recruitment has been absolutely fantastic
0: adam i just wonder what you think about all the, the talk of liverpool manipulating situations and where you see city versus liverpool now if that is the remaining title race well as for the covid
3: thing it we're in completely unique times and and i and i am um, not going to pretend I've got the knowledge to say what should and should happen with cancellations. I was, a, I think, a bit like yourself when they first started bringing the games back, when we were in full COVID, uh, I was pretty much against that. And and yet now here we are just, just going through life as though football will always be played, whether there's COVID around or not. So I don't really have an opinion on Liverpool, I don't really care about Liverpool, they're so far in our rearview mirrors now, I totally <laughs> agree with Brian, and what, what Pep says is, City just got to play their game next week, they'll probably win, they might lose, if they lose, they've got to play the game the week after, then they'll probably win, and they just got to keep doing that, keep doing that, and then, title
0: soon come. <laughs> How do you, as a fan then, Adam, look at the, the debate that Pep, keeps bringing up about having five, the possibility of having five substitutes. And also, the other subject I'll bring in at this point is the fact that after the Southampton game, City have the winter break. Um, Given the situation that we're in at the moment, you know, I I don't know, I mean, it might not matter to City because they've played all the games, but I just wonder how you feel about five substitutes being introduced. Obviously, Brian will have some interesting things, I'm sure, to say about this because... Um, I'm guessing at the beginning of your career probably just one substitute, Brian. I don't want to make you older than you are, but it certainly was when I started watching football. But how, how do you feel about f- five substitutes in the winter break this year, Adam?
3: Uh, I'm not. I'm not particularly in favour of it. And I don't know Pep, Pep talks about it, but then doesn't seem to use that many substitutes. So I don't know why he seems to be so belligerent about it. Um, but no, I understand the game's probably a lot. A lot faster and recovery times are a lot more important these days maybe than they used to be but generally speaking you <laughs> should line up against another team and just play the game isn't it is my is my gut feeling so no i'm not into five substitutions it's more that becomes too much of a too much of a tactical battle then instead of a game of football to my, to my
0: mind colin bell's comeback game on boxing day um uh, there was one substitute available. It was Colin Bell and Paul Power went off and was replaced by Colin at half-time. That's how oh, yeah. it was back then. Um, I guess, was it like that when you started, Brian? One sub or did, did they not even have subs and floodlights when you started? I
1: didn't have subs. I went in goal twice when I was at Vale. Vale. One goalkeeper got sent off, Alan Boswell, and John Connaughton got injured and I had to go in goal. Um, only conceded any one goal and I should have saved it, uh, but none and then it became one and then obviously what it is today. Now, I can half understand them at the moment with the way the games have been cancelled and then you get in, you know, so many today, David Moores are saying today, they've had, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, uh, Sunday, sorry. So three games, same players, because their squad is probably not as, you know, good as City's, which it probably isn't. Um, and, and I can understand some of the managers saying because they're looking to play as welfare, I'm watching the Roma game today. Uh, was it No, Leeds game, sorry. I watched the Roma game after. Uh, Leeds had two players come off today and look like it. Muscle injuries. So, they're not coming off with, with knocks. They're coming off with muscle injuries. And this is part of the problem. Why they're saying, you know, if we could have five subs in, maybe. But if you if you win a game, if you're the a game, do you want to really make a change? You know, it's 1-0 against Chelsea yesterday. Do you want to make a change? Do you want to make too many changes? we are need a game 1-0. You want to keep it as as, as as much the same as you can t- till you finish. So I can understand them saying that if it's needed, but I would f- find it very, very uh, unrealistic to make five substitutions, to be perfectly truthful. I, re- I really would.
0: What do you think, Paul? I used to love it, me, when they only had
2: like one sub and the goalkeeper got injured. And uh, an outdoor, you know, an outplay, an outfield player had to go in there. I used to love that, mate. That was that was fantastic. That was like a uh, the highlight of the uh, the week. not the big Joe got injured very often, but when he did, uh, I think did Bobby McDonald go in there? Once I remember for City or something. I think he seemed to go in, seemed to be in there quite a bit. But um, yeah, it, 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 it's too many five, five too many. Um, you know, I think I think Pep just wants to to have five, because, so we can keep some of his fringe players actually on the bench as opposed to not in the setup at all. So um, I think it's more of a token token thing, really. I don't. Pep's never used, never gonna, and never needs to use five substitutes. I just think it's so he can keep players happy.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Now, uh, obviously, at this point, I want to ask you, Brian, a little bit about. Uh, how your book's going and, and, and what's in there for, for people as well. But I'm also going to um, open the door for Adam and, and Paul to ask you a, a question or two if they want to. So just let me start by, I, I know you and I have, have talked about your book in, in depth. Uh, just, just for those who um, haven't picked up your book yet, just, just give us the headlines and, uh, and what's in, in your book.
1: Well, it, it, it's, it's, it's been great to do and great to, to do the things I've been doing because of the pandemic. Uh, uh, the book was just coming out when the pandemic started. So it, it obviously meant that I couldn't go around my old club. So just before Christmas, I did uh, all Oxford, Port Vale,
0: um, one more, Brighton. You were down at Brighton, weren't you? Pardon? Then you were down at Brighton, I seem to remember.
1: I went to Brighton, yes, to do. I did a book signing shop and then did some at the at the Etihad, at the, Etihad, at the, the, the Amex. Um, so that was good. And, and I, I, I wanted to do one at Man City's, which we're the publishers are going to try and arrange pretty soon so I can do one at the Etihad. So it's, it's gone well. I don't know the numbers. Um, I, I spoke to the publishers just before Christmas. They said it's gone well again be, 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 uh, just before Christmas and the Christmas sales. And things like this has, has really helped me, uh, Cheesy, to be fair, the, the podcasts and the, and the Zooms. So I could reach out to people. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, and the, the feedback I've got off people that have read it has been really, really good. I love doing it. Tim Rich, fantastic writer. Um, he did Bielsa's, Ron Atkinson's, Kanchelskis. And uh, it, it, it started off when I did a book about Man City managers. And it was my chapter with him to do. So uh, and he said, wow, you've got some great stories. And then he looked it up and, you know, the 2,000 games come up, which I didn't realise that I'd done. Over 2,000 games as a player, manager, uh, and as like a number two uh, role with Phil Brown at all, and, and other teams I we with, with with Phil. Um, so apparently only Alex Ferguson and Graham Turner have done over 2,000, which which I'm really proud
0: of. So you should be. I mean, without, I mean, we don't want to give any spoilers away, but go on, give us a story. Give us one of your favourite stories from the book that that will entice us to go and get the full book.
1: One of, the, one of the best stories, and, and I, I went to Hull City as player manager in uh, 1984 and um, got promotion my first year, as I said. In the, the second season, uh, we finished six, which was a joint highest they'd ever finished in, in the history at a football club, but the playoffs weren't in. They came in the year after. And we all, we all also reached the semi-final of the Four Members Cup, and City beat us in the semi-final over two legs. Melrose came off the bench and scored the winner in the injury time before it was going to either a replay or penalties, I think. And then they lost to Chelsea uh, in, in the final at Wembley. Um, so, two two great years. And then I retired from playing just to concentrate on the football. And then signed Richard Jobson, Gary Park, uh, Alex Dyer, some really good players who did great for All City. And um, so that was like third year, fourth year, fifth year were. We were doing well at a point, and I was bringing some good young players through. And uh, I made a mistake. I made a fundamental mistake because uh, I got an offer from North Forest Brian Club for Gary Parker, two hundred and seventy grand, and I bought him for seventy grand. So when I told the chairman, obviously the profit was huge for a a club because he put the club when it almost went bankrupt, when it almost went out of existence. So he, he, he wanted me to sell. I tried to put a player in to make a part exchange of it, that didn't happen. So 270 grand or 275, whatever it was for Gary Parker. And uh, so he goes to Forest. Uh, we carry on now without probably my best player. You know, we've had a couple of injuries. So we couldn't go pour down. So I would said to Don Robinson, when I'm selling these players, put the money in the bank, Don, we'll have the biggest seller. We'll, the, the, we'll have the biggest, uh, you know, buy, buying players in the of this club's ever had. And he went, oh, fantastic idea that'd be brilliant. Get some new players in, you know, boost the, boost the, the squad and, and put it out there that we're really having a go for promotion. So, great. So, it was about four games to go and uh, we're playing Swindon at home, Lou McCarry was manager and uh, I decided to put a load of kids in because we couldn't go up, we couldn't go down. Half-time we were winning 1-0 and uh, we eventually got beat 4-1. They were too strong for us. They were really, good. good. Lou had a good side down there at Swindon at that time and uh, they beat us 4-1 and uh I came off the the, the pitch because four one and I didn't even get to the dressing room. The chairman pulled pulled me in the off in my office, and he said uh, basically he didn't know what to say. But he just said somebody's got to give. So well, I said, "What do you mean somebody's got to give?" He said, "Well, I'm sacking you, right? Okay." I said, "Fine." And he went, "Fine." What do you mean, fine? Because I was fiery. I was a fiery player and I was a fiery manager. And he said, "I said fine." He said, "Why fine?" I said, "Because we've had five great years." And you just things aren't right between us. I can so fine. Just go and tell the players. What do you want, me To go and tell the players? He said, "No, I'll go and tell the players." So down he went. So I told. I got a message up to my wife who'd been watching the game. I found my mum and dad, and it wasn't like now it's on Sky and it's on all all, all types of, uh, of media. And uh, so I ran my mum and dad and told them. And anyway, knock on the door. Don Robinson, chairman, comes back in, and he said. The players have just slaughtered me in the dressing room. And I said, <laughs> Good. I said, I knew they would. He said, What do you mean, knew they would? He said, Because we've got a good group, Don. I've bought all these players in, Richard Jobson, Alex Dyke, they're, they're, they're my players. And I knew I knew they would. And he said, Well, what do you think about coming back? And I went, <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said to him, I, I, I didn't start laughing like you were laughing. I, started, I said, No. <laughs> so you so sacked me, you want me to come back? So I lose next week, he'll sack me again. I don't want to come back. I said no, but five wonderful years with you. See me in the morning. And they sort it out, the contract, and everything. I said, I've had a great time. Learned a lot of him. He made me, and by that time, I was player, manager, director. First one that had ever been. So I had to resign from being on the boards before he could sack me.
2: It was crazy.
1: <laughs> it, was crazy. it was crazy. I mean, would you ever imagine that happening
2: with the champion? You should- you should, for, you should have gone. You uh, should have gone for a pay rise.
1: <laughs> so then I went to Oxford. I went to Oxford, Mark, and and I had five I had five great years at Oxford. So it carried on, and uh, but no, I, but so then later on in in my career, I went with Phil Brown back to Old City, uh, and obviously we got promotion to the Premier League, which is again one of the major highlights of my career. Brilliant,
0: brilliant. Really. What's the book called, Brian?
1: It's called. If you can see it, I can. It's just that, can you see it on the corner? I can, yeah. 2,000 games and a life in football, Brian Horton. 2,000
0: games, life in football. Brilliant. Well, I'm going to make life easy for myself now and say, what question would you like to ask Brian Horton, Adam? Um, The floor is yours. You are the presenter of Forever Blue podcast for the moment.
3: Well, I'm I'm scared of giving a, a spoiler away, but I hear there was some story in there about Louis Figo, Brian, and uh, I just wonder if we if we'd have managed to get hold of him. What he have uh, would he have got in the in the side ahead of Beagree? Well, what
1: what happened with with Louis What up with the Louis Figo story that Malcolm Allison, God bless him, he used to come down to games and Francis Lee used to look after him, great because they knew each other well, and he'd come down and. Uh, We'd won this particular game, and I got upstairs for a drink, which I went up win or lose. And David pleet was there that said that to me. Always go up to the boardroom after whether you've win whether you've won or lost. Don't just go when you win. Go whether win or lost. I can't. I think we won this game anyway. So I went up, and Malcolm was in there. He's having his glass of champagne and cigar, and he said to me, "Have you seen uh, Louis Figo, Brian? And I said, "I haven't." I said, "I don't know the name because you didn't have Sky or." you know, watch all the foreign games. I said, I've just been watching Roma play Cagliari just before we came on. And uh, you couldn't you couldn't see, watch these games and get all these players' names. Um, so I said, no, but I'll check it out. So I got Julia, my secretary, to check out where Sporting Lisbon were playing or were Portugal playing anywhere uh, close that we could go and watch because he got in the Portuguese national team. And it, she came back brilliant. And she said, they're playing in, uh, in, in Northern Ireland pretty soon. So I said, right, apply for two tickets for me and Tony book, book us uh, flights, book us to the hotel, and we'll, we'll go and watch him. Well, we went over and watched him, and he was poor cool, dear me. He, he's one of the best players I've ever seen, you know, perform like that in a game. He was absolutely outstanding. So I came back and I said to, to Francis, I said, you know, obviously, we went to watch him, and you knew we'll go to watch him. And I said, it, whatever it takes, if you can, because this player is going to be special. So. We got in touch with an English agent because, again, there wasn't agents like there's agents now. It was few and far between. But obviously, Figo, being which he was going to be a superstar, he'd got an agent. So we got an a- English agent to get in touch with his. Francis got them over. Francis Lee got them over to Stanleylands Hotel. Well played to him. He, he, got, he got them over. And we had a conversation with agents and an English agent. But, <coughs> excuse me, uh, we, we just couldn't do it. The 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 figures were just absolutely you know mind blowing really and he deserved it because he was going to be a a fantastic footballer so you know I always who when they when they say uh, Brian who uh, my reply now is what a coup for Brian who <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: <Great answer, Brian. laughs> Colin quality what's your question um. Before I ask a question, I would just like to say that there's not many managers that City got rid of that I was devastated to see go, and you was one of them, Brian. To be honest, because you you your team actually played some some Thank of the best you. football would and even I include Kevin Keegan in that as well. Because it was it was it was a time of my like, nearly the 95, three ninety five, wasn't you were there, Brian? And Thank and the, the plays that were there then, it was like my sort of I was I was understanding football at that point. And I knew what it meant and. Um, but am I wrong to say that you King was there when you were there? No, no. Did, <coughs> excuse me. Did you come after?
1: He came after after I left. Right, uh,
2: right,
1: uh, right. Because uh, right. King, King hadn't been mentioned by then uh, to me. I did. I didn't know about. I knew the name, obviously, but I would never. We never spoken about signing him. So no, that was uh, that was Francis Lee signing. Um, I, I had nothing to do with that one at all. Kinky was a good player. Um, and I, I saw him probably have his best game, one of his best games ever. I was doing uh, Sky for Oxford United v Man City and they played 4-4-1-1 and King Clasier played behind Uwe and and, uh, and Uwe was a fantastic player, fantastic work rate and that's the best I saw. Well, uh, King Classey did play some good games for City, obviously. I'm talking about seeing it live. He was outstanding that night, King Clasier. and and so was Uwe, by the way.
2: I mean, was is were the players easier? Would you well? Would you say the players were easier to deal with then than they are now, or have they always been difficult breed of human beings?
1: Um, well, I'll tell you two little stories then. So, the the, the, Tot- the Tottenham game, which everybody talks about, the five-two game, which was an number... Of, I mean, when you when you looked at the side, Tottenham had got Klinsmann, Sheringham, Barnby, Dumitrescu, Petrescu. Uh, the side, they had a class team and we, we murdered them up day. and I was talking about it not long ago and uh, Anuve was mentioned and Uwe actually said, I didn't play in that game. I, <laughs> I, I didn't realise I'd left Nouveau out for that game. Uh, the, the forward line was Nicky Summerby, Quinney, Walshie, who yeah. wanted to prove a point because Tottenham let him go and he was magnificent <laughs> that day and Peter Beagree. And so you can imagine what what Uwe was like, because Uwe was like that anyway. Uh, so he took it, but and then then we're going to Blackburn, which was just after that game, so Blackburn was then one of my last games, and it was on Sky. Some of our fans, some of the City fans, didn't want us to beat Blackburn, because we're handing United the title. So I had to understand that one. Anyway, we went to Blackburn, and I left Beagues out that night. Now this- Didn't this, have a fractured
3: shin that night, though. But then, didn't he have a fractured shin that
1: night? Did he not? I, I think
3: I left I him. I thought you brought him on with a fractured. didn't put him on off the bench with a fractured shin, didn't you, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he set. And he set up the winner.
1: I don't know about <laughs> that one. Anyway, so so I left. So Walshy, I said to Walsh, "I want you to play in left left wing," and he went, oh, "I've never played left wing." And I would played with Walshy at, at, at Luton. He was just out now striker. And I said, "Walshy, I don't, I don't want you to play outside left. I, what I want you." To just go and join in. So if you want to go between Uwe and and, and, and Quinny, you do just go where you want. I don't need to be left winger. Just they couldn't handle him. They didn't know what to do. So that was almost like a bit of a rotation. I'm I'm, I'm praising myself here. Aren't I by the way.
2: You're nearly, <laughs> but, but
1: that was a bit of the rotation that, that Blackburn couldn't handle because all of a sudden Walsh is turning up inside right in between the strikers, past the strikers. They could they 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 couldn't they couldn't cope with us and. Kenny actually said after the game, Kenny Douglees, where's this team been all season? And it was it was coming to fruition, wasn't it? I'd asked yeah. for, yeah. ask for I'd asked for I'd asked for two or three more players before the, the March deadline at that time, and 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 Francis had said no. So I knew I knew I knew by then that, that I wasn't I wasn't gonna last. So I just set out, which I did when I first came, to enjoy my time, to play as good a football as I could, attacking football. And let me tell you. The two players that were really instrument, instrumental in that team was Gary Flickcroft and Stevie Lomas. And 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 they were going to sell Stevie Lomas the, the week I came into the football club to Preston. So I stopped that one straight away because I've seen, seen Stevie play for, uh, for Man City Reserves many times. So they, they were so instrumental, those two. Two young, fit, really, really good footballers.
3: You mentioned oh. that Spurs game there, Brian, but you're missing out either side of that game was two of my favourite ever away days following City we was both at QPR I don't know if you remember we went down there I think we played him in the league first and we, we beat him 2-1 with nine men and then we had to go back there ten days later and we beat him 4-3 and shots were hitting the bar people were banging them in from 25 yards two of the greatest days I've ever had following City those two and they were I think yeah. we had that Spurs game But.
1: It- the, the, just just during that spell as well, I think we beat Everton four, we beat West Ham four, uh, we beat I think switch it on quite well. well. The the side was progressing; it was a good team, but it needed strengthening. It needed the squad needed strengthening. The squad wasn't wasn't um, uh, big enough. Um, it it just needed two or three more top players, you know, and and it could have been uh, really. Uh, I, I I take great pride in the fact that people come up to me and say about those games. And, they, and it's, it's unbelievable. John Motson said it was one of the best games that he ever commentated on the Tottenham game. Now, for John Mottson to say that with all the games that he's commentated on, that takes some doing, doesn't it? You know, so... Uh, but it's, it's just lovely when people come up and say, you know, like you guys tonight, that they love the football, they love the way it was. But I set out to be that way from day one. I remember you getting, and sorry, on one more. Days. Can
3: I have one more? I remember you <laughs> getting <laughs> interviewed afterwards, Brian, and the, the commentator had said something, paid some compliment about the way he played, and you just went, we were
0: brilliant, weren't we? <laughs> 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 so, okay, final yeah. question then on, on the old days, Brian. Um, what was it? I mean, I know you, you've, you developed a thick skin in football and you've already illustrated that to a certain extent, but when Francis finally said, that's it, even though you knew it was coming, what did that feel like?
1: Well, if if you read my book, geez, You, 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 you and all the people that read my book will find out how I got the sack, so I'm not going to tell you all the stories.
2: <laughs>
1: Fair it's all, enough. This is all the juicy juicy stories. I, I didn't hear from Francis directly to start with, and that's all I want to say on that matter. But it's really didn't book. And, you know, someone else told me when I was at dinner in London, and and, and it wasn't the way to... To to have ended, but it did. So uh, you know, I've, I've always been a believer of uh, because maybe because it happened to me that I got a free transfer when I was seventeen, and the manager told me face to face. I give Dean Windass a free at at, at uh, Hull City when he was seventeen. He's uh, great skill, but he couldn't run. He, he just couldn't run at that time, seventeen. So I couldn't I couldn't take him on as a pro. But what I said to him was, and I whenever I let a player go. Or sold a player, I would explain or have a chat with him and uh, not just go, oh, it's finished now, see, like, not, not talk about it. And I said to Dean Winners, the same, this is in the book also. I said, Dino, this happened to me when I was 17. I got a free because of the same situation. I was very small and I couldn't get about a pitch as much as I'd want to. I was very skillful. Um, and I went on the building four years, grew, got stronger, played non league football. 21 years old, and came back in the Port of Wales, thanks to Gordon Lee. Dean Windass did exactly the same. He went to North Ferriby, where I lived when I was in Hull. They had a good non-league side. And he went on the building, he grew stronger, and he came back in to f- league football, another fantastic career, and topped by scoring that goal for, for us at Wembley when we beat Bristol City in the playoff final. And And I said to him, well done, you proved me wrong. Because you, you had the will and you had the now to go and do that, uh, or the determination to go and do that, and and that's what he did, and and that that that's what I always try to do. To we, we know if I was selling or giving, particularly young players, if you're letting them go uh, when they're seventeen, 18 because it breaks their hearts They want to be a professional football. It broke my heart for a little while because I wanted to be a footballer so badly, and then the dreams taken away from you because someone's saying you're not good enough. Then you've got a You've, you've got the chance to prove them wrong. So when I did over a thousand games as a manager, I proved Walsall wrong. When I did two thousand games after I found out from Tim Rich, I proved Walsall wrong. And you know something? Again, this is in the book. When we got promotion at All at, at City in my first season, and I, when I was playing manager, it was at Walsall. So that was that was again so sweet to get my first promotion as a manager at Walsall. And I didn't play that game. I'm player manager playing. And I can't remember for the life of me why I didn't play. Well, I was injured. I I, I, don't, I can't. I just can't believe that I, I didn't play in that game. Um,
0: you just didn't rate yourself.
1: Yeah, it, 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 it was a good decision, Cheese. You wanted to leave yourself out.
2: Yeah, you didn't pick yourself. You forgot to pick yourself. <laughs> you did a head count in the dressing room. <laughs> really.
0: Right, well, just to finish off the podcast, it's been great listening to your stories, Brian. It, you, Obviously always a great guest. Um, next week City play at Southampton and then there's a couple of weeks of a break. Um, has the break come at the right time, the wrong time? Do you feel, I'll, I'll leave Brian actually to the end of this one. Um, so I will start with you, Adam. Um, you know, Obviously some teams might be playing catch-up during this period, but I just wonder with the momentum that City have got, is it 15 league game? league games in a row, you know, is this the wrong time or do you think it's a good time to, after the Southampton game, to sort of have a break and reset and get ready for the running with Champions League, of course, returning? Yeah,
3: I think from City's perspective, it'd be best to just keep ploughing on, keep playing the games. That's why I think, you know, we've not shown any interest in trying to get games cancelled, even when we've had COVID in the camp. We just need to focus on our job. And the sooner we just hoover up however many more points it is that it's going to take, the better... Um, You know, ideally, we can not only win the league, but wrap it up early enough that we can really focus on those last stages of the Champions League, maybe even the FA Cup as well. You don't know. So I don't see any advantage in City. Pep always brings us into the season slightly undercooked. It takes him the first two or three months of the season. Everyone's purring by Christmas. This is the time when Pep always sends his team out and we go on these devastating runs and clinch titles. It's showing no sign of stopping at the moment. So I would like to see us just keep playing, keep playing.
2: Paul? Paul? Yeah, exactly. Same. I, I don't want this to stop it. it. This season seems so, so disjointed. These these winter breaks, these international breaks. You seem to play three games and then you, you, you're rested and, and you've got no football. So as a fan, you lose momentum, you know. So as footballers, they must big time lose momentum. So, no, let's just, I'd like to see it just kept going.
0: Brian, what would you want to see City playing... Certainly, every week at the moment. Or would you be happy of a rest at this stage?
1: I'd want to keep going as a player. As a player, I think you would want to keep going, but it's what it is, isn't it? So uh, they'll they'll um, they'll take as it comes. Uh, they'll uh, enjoy the break if they if they're doing it. Um, <clears throat> you can't you can't avoid it, can you? Win at Southampton, keep it going. I can't see them. I just can't see them not not winning it because. They've, they've got to win some games. They can't, they can't afford to lose a game, Liverpool or Chelsea. They can't afford to lose one. If they lose one or two games, there's no chance. Uh, City is so good at the moment. So I would, I would have liked to have carried on as a player, if that's, if that's the question you're asking me.
0: Well, it's been great having the three of you on, obviously. Uh, next week, uh, hopefully, Gary Owen will be our special guest in the chair. Um, but having Brian Horton as our special guest has been uh, an absolute joy. So, Brian, thanks very much for giving us so much of your time. Thanks very much to Adam and to Paul uh, and to you for listening and to CharlesLewis.co.uk, Chartered Mortgage Advisors, for their support of this podcast. Um, it's been another great, great weekend. City beating Chelsea. Just to squeeze a little bit more energy out of Chelsea in their chase for the title race. So as ever, um, a big, big thank you to you. Thanks for Pep, to Pep and the players. Thanks for you for listening. And remember this, if you don't remember anything else from this podcast, it's great being a Blue.